0: Welcome to Grace Apologetics Podcast. Now I skipped last week. I meant to publish um my seven minute why Muhammad is not a prophet entry. But I kept getting distracted. I'm so sorry. Well, to like the five of you that listen to this podcast, I'm so sorry. I meant to I know I know I don't even give a schedule of what of what I'm going to do because some um, because um it's usually a spur of the moment. Sometimes I prepare something, other times I get an old recording of me. For instance the one about Muhammad's going to be is an old recording. And other times I just speak my mind unfiltered. I don't use a script more often than not. But for those of you who have who are new and hopefully the five of you that listen to my podcast are spreading the word But um, for those of you who are new, um, this podcast is basically apologetics, and apologetics is simply defending the faith. Grace apologetics focuses on salvation and Jesus Christ first, and then focuses on defending the faith against what? Against atheists, against, not like we're fighting atheists now, but against an atheistic worldview, against an Islamic worldview, and against the social justice culture out there. Because here's the thing, is that if you're following the social, if you're looking at the social justice culture, chances, the woke culture, the culture where um, you're yeah, bigot, if you express your opinion and you risk being canceled, chances are you are, chances are you're on the opposite side of God because you are following the love of man and um John McKay said this is that your truest form is your most sinful self. He was explaining this when he was explaining his marriage and the problems that arose from his marriage and he was trying to be authentic. But in that authenticity you learn that your truest self is your most sinful self because by nature you're a sinner. Um I've said this before um outside of Christ I'm a porn addict. Outside of Christ, I'm, I'm a masturbation addict. That's my truest form. Inside of Christ is where I am the righteousness of God. By his forgiveness, I am what? I, I am a different creature. I'm not the sexually charged, horny thing that you... That I used to be Or maybe I am uh, My girlfriend might have a different opinion I don't know Because she's the only person that can really If you want to know Who you are Chances are Your significant other Knows you more than You'd know yourself So if you want to know your shortcomings Ask them and they'll give you a laundry list And so yeah So outside of Christ I know who I am outside of Christ then trust me, I'm not proud of any of that. Notice each time somebody that's gay or that's non-binary or whatever the woke words are these days. Notice what they say is that they go through a period of self-discovery. But as Christians, we are not supposed to go through periods of self-discovery. We need to, in order to discover what we can do. And I don't like making my theology human based but it's true in an it's true in a sense that for you to discover what you can do you need to go to your God. For instance, Abraham and I'll use Abraham in Romans chapter four Abraham says that he had nothing to boast about, but everything that he boasts about is through God. And that's that's true is that um what we can do as Christians is not dependent on who we are but it is dependent on God. And, and, okay, the only thing that you can do is be available, to be honest. That's the only thing you can do. And God can, and God will do the rest. He's already given you the tools to be something more than you can be. Okay? And so I try I try my best not to make this more. I, try, I really don't like the you-can-do-it sort of things. I always point to your reliance on God and you having a relationship with God. That's what Grace Apologetics is. That's, that's a summary for hopefully the new people that are there. Please like, share, and subscribe on whatever, wherever you get your podcast from, be it Apple Podcasts, be it on Spotify, be it on Google, be it wherever, even here on Anchor. Okay, so today I'll be answering a series of questions. There are 15 questions aligned, some familiar, some not so familiar. But we'll see where we get to, because my job here is to always clear. I always say that I'm God's wingman. I say that I'm here to introduce you to the bridegroom. And so whatever misconceptions you might have. And I say this, that people, that um, preachers are just aids. They're not supposed to be your Bible. They should just help you get to where you need to be personal time is always important so i'll be answering 15 questions today hopefully you enjoy the 15 questions that were sent to me. and if you'd like to send me if you'd like to send me a question um you can send me a voice message here on anchor if you're on if you're an anchor um you can send me a message my gmail is uh victor mlenga victor Mwate. victor with a k victomoapay96 at gmail.com. I hope, hopefully I'm not inviting creeps. Yeah. Or you can... Um, or you can comment on one of my blog posts at Grace Apologetics or even on Facebook at Grace Apologetics. It has a big GA on its profile picture. Hopefully you won't get confused. Okay. So... This one is from, this is, the first question comes from a Muslim. Because um, sometimes Muslims have questions for Christians. Why do Christians think Muslims have to convert to be saved? It's simple. Um, Salvation is found in Jesus Christ alone. John 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him... Him who him the only begotten son of God. John three seventeen for God did not send his son to the world to condemn it, but through him the world may be saved. Um Philippians chapter two and verse eight, I believe, is that we are saved by grace through faith. Um Romans chapter three verse twenty-four. Verse 23 and 24 for all, has, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God But all are made righteous through the grace of God That's found through Christ Jesus I may have butchered that verse, I'm so sorry But that's the basic gist of it Is that um, if you want to be saved You cannot be a Muslim and be saved You have to repent of your sins and turn back to the one true God it applies to everybody. You can't just continue being what you are if you are a Christian. There needs to be turn around, and they need, to, and they, they need they is a need for fruits to be in your life. So, do why do Christians think why do Christians think Muslims need to convert to be saved? Because Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. There are no here's the thing. There are f- many ways to God, but there's only one way to salvation because all the roads that we are walking on in life will one day make us be one on one with our maker and um if you did not accept Jesus Christ as your lord and savior i'm sorry but you're going to face eternal damnation i also don't like i also don't like um i don't like certain things about christianity it's a very icky thing. it's a very icky um thing sometimes But here's the thing is that I'm not the one who makes the rules and I've chosen to follow those rules. That's why God has given us. That's why God has given us our own paths and our own lives to live is that at the end of the day, we're responsible for our own lives. And here's the thing is that, oh, but why, why wouldn't, why would, why would I be condemned to hell just because I'm a Muslim? Firstly, you're following a false God. Allah and Yahweh are not the same. And so it does not, it's not about, it's about the God that you serve. You should be particular. And for those who say religion is overrated, here's it. it may be overrated, but you're on a journey to seek truth. And truth is independent of your opinion. And if the truth leads you to saying that Jesus Christ is the one true God, then why, why, why are you saying it's overrated? People who say that are usually misinformed. Here's the thing is that with all the other gods, and I think I said this in the Trinity Trinity episode that I did, but with the all the other gods, you never have evidence. Jesus says that he is God. Why? Because he's going to die and come back to life. And the difference between Jesus and Lazarus or all the various people that were raised from the dead during the period of the Bible is that Jesus did not need a conduit. He practically raised himself from the dead. The Spirit of God raised him from the dead too. and The Father raised himself from the dead. It was, a, it was an entire collaboration. Okay, question. A dating question. Woo! I love dating questions. Does technology have an impact on dating? Yes, it does because for the first time in human history you can be in here in Zambia and your girlfriend can be in Canada and you get to speak face to face you may not be able to touch or whatever but but you can you can virtually you can virtually do a lot more than you could do um back in the day you have somebody write you a letter that would take a week or a month to be delivered and it has its advantages yes you get that but to an extent it's made us a little bit complacent and it's made us um it's made us rush through everything think of internet dating you don't like somebody, you block them. You won't, you move on to the next. You're just right. I was on the dating app, and I can tell you how it is: is that you're just there looking and selecting and saying, "Ooh, yeah," "Ooh, no," "Ooh, yeah," "Ooh, no," and so for the first thing that attracts you is the person's look. Before you can even, before you can even enter their before you can even enter the bio and read what their what their life is about, and know if you're going to click or not. But but it's like a meal. You're just there looking through. So to an extent, it makes us rush through. And also, um, with internet dating, yes, your partners, or rather the person you see as your potential partner would, is bombarded with so many texts. So chances are she's not even going to <laughs> meet your texts. Especially if you're a guy. Um, Girls probably have no problems with this, but... If you're a guy, unless you're extremely good looking, no one is texting you. And so it has its advantages, yes, because you can connect to people anywhere in the world, which is a very beautiful thing. And if you want to be accountable, you can be accountable. But to an extent, it also makes things secretive. A lot of people have their affairs on their phones. Some have burner phones. It's 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 like everything in the world has advantages and disadvantages. Um but for a relationship, it's really had a lot of good advances because you can virtually tell your girlfriend goodnight every night while looking at them in their face. And that's the most beautiful thing in the world. Questions, should I send nudes? Question number three, should I send nudes? <laughs> okay from a from a circular aspect, if you send a guy nudes he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna be happy because that's how we're wired, but if you send the girl nudes, he's gonna be disgusted, but this is Christian, so I'm gonna keep my answers christian as Christian as possible um should you send nudes no even if you're married, I don't think nudes are appropriate for one reason is that um I am. I think I'm the only person in the world that's worried about their nudes leaking. Um, if you're not married, there's really no need for you to send anybody anything inappropriate, because um, you're not married, and without marriage, you don't have you don't own your others, your significant other's body. Yes. If they dress in a way that's uncomfortable to you, you can speak to them. And they should be in a place where they can understand why what you're wearing is uncomfortable. But I wouldn't advise anybody to send notes, married or otherwise. Married because things get, things on the internet are forever. And things can get leaked out. I would be worried if my junk is all over the internet even though it's protected what if somebody what if somebody who what if this podcast or Graceful adjectives becomes bigger then somebody wants victor mling somebody wants me to um somebody wants to ruin my life I'm like huh i found victor Mlinger's nudes and so they send my nudes online so i'm not and says i wouldn't i wouldn't um i wouldn't suggest that you have needs if you're if you're both married and single. It's always best to be behind closed doors when you're being intimate with your loved one. Question number four why are men ashamed when a woman makes more money than them? I don't think men are ashamed that a woman when a woman makes more money than them. That is if a man is confident in himself and his ability. But here's the thing, more often than not it's a woman that That throws it in his face. Here's the thing. A man who has a woman who does not earn as much as he does. Never reminds the man how broke he is. But a woman who earns more money than a man. Chances are she wants... Chances are she's going to repeat it as much as possible. And rub it into his face. Sometimes... I've lost my point. That's sad. Yeah, but more often than not, it's not really shame that comes with it. But to an extent, a woman kind of puts that burden on him. Also, a man is the provider of the house. So it might play a little bit to his ego because he's failing to provide as he's supposed to, as the man of the house. And so it's not necessary that it's a shame, but he loses his role as a man. And that's the problem is that um, a lot of ladies are focused, are so focused on being woke that they forget convert traditional gender roles. Here's another thing is that chances are a woman is not going to look at a man that's that's poorer than him. Look at any woman. I I have been around the internet. Look at any woman who wants to marry somebody. Her expectation is that he's six foot and he makes six figures. Whether or not she makes six figures is, is irrelevant. And this is not an anti-woman channel. But the evidence is there to see. I don't want you to be on this podcast and um, listen to it. And and hear some cookie cutter sort of thing. I want the truth. And based on the evidence that I've seen around. And you may agree with it personally because that's not you, but that's how it usually is. So sometimes it's not shame. Other times it is shame because he's lost his role. But mm, sometimes it's not shame. Is the Bible the rule for Christians? Yes. Everything in the Bible goes, Old Testament, New Testament. Everything goes. Um now I'm not saying that um you do all these spooky spooky things in Leviticus. No, what I mean is that understand the principle, especially with the Old Testament, understand the principle that everything in the Bible is our rule and is meant to guide us for life and living. Should a man pursue a woman who rejects him? Oh, this is a very loaded question. Mm. I would say both yes and no. Sometimes a woman needs time. And this is where you need to you need to step back and not like um, be all up in your feelings. But this is where you need to step back and look at her body language. Because if she doesn't want you, move on. Sometimes you can tell that she wants you, but she's just not ready. Or she doesn't feel that she's ready. I don't feel you need to pressure her into doing anything that she doesn't want to do. Give her time. Be patient with her. I mean, if you're ready and she's not, why not look for somebody that's ready? So I'd say both yes and no to this one. I know it's a cop-out, but sometimes there is a need to be forceful. And not forceful in the sense that you're being rapey or being a creep but just being forceful in the sense that okay you can see that something is is moving on and she's just not sure with herself how far is too far physically I have two theories on this one firstly you treat her like you treat a sister or you treat him like you treat a brother you're not going to put your tongue into your brother's mouth are you If you do, then you're a very strange family. So touch her where you touch your sister. Touch him where you touch your your brother. Unless you're a very weird family that touches genitalia, but you get my point. That's my first theory. Second theory. Don't ask for anything that you're not willing to do. Or rather, you are not comfortable doing. Now the problem with that is that we the problem with that second theory is that um we're in a culture that grew up on porn and dating at very low ages, so chances are the bar is really low. Now I kind of like that my girlfriend grew up in a conservative home. At least that's what she tells me. <laughs> but I kind of like that she she was she grew up in a conservative home in a, in the sense that um. She doesn't wear a swimsuit in the most traditional fashion. No one piece, no two pieces. She has her own special swimsuit. And I'm glad. I'm actually very glad. It's comfortable enough for swimming, but it's decent enough. Because she's not very comfortable showing that much skin. So, if you have already broke, if you have already been so far in relationships that nothing really scares you, then go for the first one. If not, then the second one is good for you. Because if you're super conservative, you're not going to ask for something that you wouldn't do. Okay. Does the Bible suggest violence against Muslims? No, the Bible suggests violence against no one. But like, what about the Canaanites? Different scenario and we'll get into that one day. But the Bible suggests non-violence. Why do Christians believe God has a son? God has a son. It's simple. The Bible tells us that God has God has a son. Not only that, but he's the begotten son of God. Not in the sense that God gave birth to Jesus. No, they've been together, all three of them, eternally. However, you read Psalm chapter 2, and Jesus tells the Father, saying that, I have become your begotten. So, it's not necessarily that oh God has a son from his own product, no no no. It's more in the sense that Jesus humbled himself into being the son of God. It's kind of it's kind of adoption in a sense. In a sense, to make you understand. But Jesus is the only begotten son of God. Do relationships take away your freedom? Yes. But it depends on what you want what you mean as being free. Because you cannot do anything in life that that's worthwhile if you want to live a wild life. Here's the thing is, each time I look at a girl, I cannot admire her because I have a girlfriend. Back then i will be like, oh, she looks nice. Not in a lustful sense, but more of in an appreciation. I don't even know if I can justify what I'm saying. But you get what I mean. Like, oh, she looks nice. You know? Um, but now I can't. I'll look at a girl I'm like, oh, girlfriend forgot even if you even if you want to even in business you can't really spend your money anyhow here's the thing about freedom is freedom is the opposite of what we think freedom is freedom is not you being able to do whatever you want freedom is you being able to do whatever you want within reason you have the freedom to do anything Here's the thing, is most people who live for God may look like they're slaves, but they live a more abandoned life in the sense that they don't answer to a necessary drama. They're not unnecessarily stressed outside of the things in life that you ought to be stressed about. Nothing else stresses them. You only have one partner. You don't. If you have like five or four, you're not worried constantly that you're going to get caught. That's the beauty about being in Jesus and being in God. And the true freedom that you seek is always within Christ Jesus. In marriage, you're free to do whatever you want within reason. You can have sex as much as you want to have sex. Nobody's going to condemn you. In fact, you can do whatever you want with her. As long as both of you are consenting to whatever you're doing. You can do whatever you want with her. Nobody's going to do anything about it greed understand that there's a difference between being free and being greedy because being greedy would want you to have five wives six wives seven wives five husbands seven husbands eight husbands that's what greed does and it's not freedom it's greed because here's the thing is that the moment you open yourself up to greed the the open you the more you become a slave to your vices it's that simple if you want to live a free life, live your life in moderation. Don't look at what everybody else is doing. Focus, focus on God and focus on your partner. Yes, there are restrictions. But to be honest, for you to live a good life, you need to restrict yourself. Even in the circular world, look at people like Elon Musk and Bill Gates. They never became the rich people that they are because they wanted to do whatever they want. wanted to do. They worked hard and put themselves in a place where they could do whatever they want to do. And even yet, you don't see Elon Musk abusing his stuff. He's, always, he's still thinking of ways to go to space and all this stuff. So your definition of freedom is dependent on whether you want to live, you want to live, if you want to live however you want to live, you're not going to go anywhere in this life. And so it's honestly dependent on what you think freedom is. What is the sign of Jonah? Oh, I like this one. The sign of Jonah is this, is that um, in Nineveh, they used to worship the god Dagon, who was a fish. Okay. And so then, and so then, if you read the story of Jonah, Jonah was swallowed by the fish for three days and three nights. He was under the rule of the God of that age. And then he came out and, you know, with stomach acids and all this stuff, he came out looking white and bright. And he conquered the God of the sea. In relation to Christ, he said that the Son of Man has to be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Jesus was under the control of the God of this earth. And he died for three days and three nights. And he rose from the dead, shining in the glory of God. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why I speak in tongues. What happens to those who die without hearing the gospel? It's simple. No one has an excuse. Everybody has seen the sunrise. Everybody has general revelation. They have, they have appeals. They have morality. Now, general revelation does not save you. What saves you is Jesus Christ. However, general revelation will always bring you to God. For instance, Naaman, in the book of Kings, when Elisha Elisha. Told him to go and wash himself. He was responding to general revelation. Um, Rahab in the book of Joshua. She hid the spies because she thought it was the right thing to do. She responded to general revelation. So, for those people in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, Cornelius was a guy that feared God. He just knew that the Romans worshipped false gods and that there was a one true God. And God sent him Peter. So firstly, I don't think that God would leave you in a place where you can't seek him. Especially if you grasp that there must be something beyond this. God would draw somebody to you, to help you. That's how he works. Because he's a father at the end of the day. He does not want to see you lost. And so he'll help you out. So maybe the people who died without hearing the gospel were the people in the times of the Jews but i don't think now god would let anybody die without hearing his gospel and even if they because he's given them the capacity to understand general revelation about him that is in creation and in morality so i'm not really worried about those who have not heard the gospel you should make sure that you should be preaching the gospel around the world was just a real person yes Matthew tells us he's a real person. Mark told us, told us he's a real person. Luke says he's a real person. John says he's a real person. Um, Flavius Josiah first tells him he's a, he was a real person. Peter tells him he was a real person. Paul tells us that he's a real person. Um, Tacitus tells us he's a real person. Um, world historians tell us that he's a real person. There's really no need for us to judge the authenticity of the historical Jesus. Last question. Why would a loving God send you to hell? I've tackled this question before. But it's simple. Two reasons. One, God doesn't want you to be any place you wouldn't want to be because he loves you so much. And so if you don't want to be in his presence now, there's no need for him to put you in his presence later on. Secondly, it would be unjust for him to give a condition to the whole world and then just accept everybody. So that's that. I've tackled every question. Have a good day. And again, I would really enjoy it if you send me your questions here on a voice note, on comment, comments, on the blog, everywhere and anywhere you can. Thank you and God bless you.